Hello and good morning, everyone. Only positivity here. I have my coffee with me, ready to explore this new phase of life with you all. So, over the past few years, I have gained a whole new perspective on life, and I've realized that life is too short to not be enjoying yourself while doing great things. So, come along with me as I explore this new lens through fitness, photography, reading, traveling, cannabis, and much more. Looking forward to the journey, guys. And remember, only positivity. Hello and good morning, everyone. Only positivity here. I have my coffee with me, ready to kick off podcast number 32 on this playlist that I'm looking to launch called Elevated Thoughts. So before diving into the book and everything for today, let's go ahead and start with a level set. So, you know, as I endeavor upon pursuing knowledge and life experience in this next phase of life through fitness, photography, traveling, cannabis, much more, one habit that I've really formed is reading. So this podcast essentially goes through some of the books I've been reading as of late, taking those lessons learned and applying them to experiences in my life. So before we go into the next period um, in the, the history book by Big Ideas, Simply Explained, let's go and start with a story for today. So, you know, nothing crazy here, but, um, you know, I was, uh, I was talking to my, one of my buddies about, you know, about the, the game FIFA, right? So it's a, it's a soccer game for those of you that don't know. Um, I, and I'm a huge fan, right? I have probably all of the, the games from like 1999 through 2020 right so huge fan me and a couple of my close friends were really big fans of fifa whenever we get together we have like um some intense matches and things like that and you know it's just uh you know we talk shit to each other sometimes we play online um and particularly when we play online um it's a very uh interesting situation right so let me tell you about this so there is one situation where me and my buddy were playing online, and we're playing two-on-two. So me and my buddy are playing two other guys, right? And um, in this match, you know, we we talk shit. You know, like, we got the headset on. We can talk to the other guys. We're just messing around, talking shit, you know, um, just making it more fun, right? Just saying bullshit all the time. So anyway, so there's this guy um, who we're playing, and his gamer tag is, like, Esteban something, right, so we're, like, you know, we're going in, I was, like, oh, Esteban, what's up, you know, we're going in on his ass, right, we're just, like, talking shit, and we're, we're, we're beating them, right, so we're being even more, like, shitty about how we're winning, so the whole time, like, uh, we're saying his name, we're, like, oh, where are you at, where are you at, right, and then he kind of mutes us, he falls off the grid or something, but he's still playing, right, so we keep yelling his name, we're, like, Esteban, oh, Esteban, are you there, and, like, he's, like, not responding, but every now and then, you can hear him throwing, like, a subtle, like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you know what I mean, he's, like, he's still there, we know he's there, we know he's listening to us, so we're egging him on, right, we're just, like, screaming his name and stuff like that, um, but anyway, so flash forward, right? We win that game, whatever. Um, and then the next morning, you know, I'm in a group chat with my buddy and um, his wife and, you know, my fiance and me, right? So the four of us are in this group chat. And in the morning, we get this text message. They're like, oh, my God, like, what the hell, right? And, like, the, the wives are talking right now. And they're like, first of all, who the hell is Esteban? And <laughs> me and my buddy are just like, well, you know what? Back on the bullshit, I guess, you know? So, um, you know, definitely Xbox Live. You know, I had it for a short period of time, and, like, I let my subscription expire. But I realized that, like, 
you know, I was just getting too wild on there, man. Me and my buddy were just having too much fun. We would play for like hours and like waste a bunch of time. It was fun, right? It was, it was fun. But we would play like late into the night and just be like keeping up uh, our significant others. But you know, that's what happens sometimes, right? So I guess what we're the lesson learned is we'll save our intense FIFA nights for when um, we actually get together in person and hang out because you know I think once in a while for me to do that is totally fine right but if I'm yelling and screaming every night you know I live in a one-bedroom apartment man like I'm being inconsiderate and shit so um yeah dude Xbox Live is a super um interesting funny situation but it's really a good way to like stay connected with your friends um that you can't really see that often right uh so yeah I'll leave it at that so um coming back to uh to the stories um and the book we're going to go through for today so like i said we're going through the history book by um big ideas simply explained and like i said you know history has been um very very interesting for me and you know in in uh high school college you know all throughout schooling you know history is one of those subjects that i don't know they they teach it to you in a, in a in an interesting way that might not really spark further interest for you, right? It's like all about the test, uh, memorizing facts. You don't really understand the themes of history and the deeper meaning be behind some historical events. So anyway, um, like I said in the previous two um, podcasts on this one, so there's some definite themes, right, in history. So um, there's different eras, technology develops, climate, politics all comes into play, and all of that evolves over time, okay? So we see um, a lot of similar events, but um, like I said, technology changes the landscape. Um, the, the different political uh, campaigns change the lands landscapes. But the themes kind of remain similar, right? Um, a leader comes to light like during a time of uh, negativity or uh, a, a time of like dismay and goes ahead and unites the people right but at some point that bubble pops by you know unease revolution greed violence inner turmoil and kind of that bubble explodes like i said and it all starts over again right some lessons are learned but um kind of the same trajectory right history repeats itself so um we 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 went through the the first humans and then ancient civilizations so today we're going to go through something that i think is pretty interesting um in the uh medieval world right so that's our topic for today so just a couple of you know background facts so um the book will outline that historians will see the medieval period as a time between the ancient civilizations and the modern world right so a lot of development during this time um, Christianity survived in Rome, and many people saw um, Christianity as a divide or a, a line drawn between civilized and barbaric societies, right? So Christianity versus, quote-unquote, pagan religions. Now, uh, we'll go forward with this in other podcasts, but the Islamic faith was founded in the 7th century during this time, um, and the book says that their cities... Um, their technologies were far more superior than any Christian city in size, but also in sophistication. And we'll, we'll outline that um, in a couple of the stories that we go through for today. There's also um, some lethal diseases that start to, to spread, right? So, you know, as people uh, start living in cities and congregating in uh, communal areas, the spread of disease was something that was inevitable, right? So we talk about the Black Death. 
in the 14th century that killed about, you know, a quarter of the world's population. So, um, you know, coming, coming to me, like the medieval world is always interesting to me because it was a time of where people were just experimenting with everything, right? Medicine, art, um, religion, and there were so many different things at play, um, and it manifested in a very interesting way in society. Um, and this is like totally ignorant of me, but I really liked those um, Xbox games, Assassin's Creed, and the first three, right? Like maybe after the fourth one, it got a little bit like they got a little carried away. But um, you know, they, they it takes place like during those medieval times, right? Um, so I, you know, that's where I got a lot of my like primary knowledge, right? Uh, on the Crusades and things like that. But I'm gonna be honest with you, I did not even know that the the muslims were in the crusades like before i read this book i'm i thought it was like between um different sects of christianity and um the jews right so like you know just a little ignorance there but that's what reading's all about right so like i said i really like the games uh so i went ahead and dove a little bit deeper and found some more information about the actual historical facts behind it so let's go ahead and start with the first story for today, right? So the first story is going to be the founding of Baghdad, which occurred in 762, okay? So in 762, the capital of the Islamic Empire was shifted from Damascus to Baghdad. And um, historians say this marked the beginning of the Islamic Golden Age, okay? So... The Golden Age was called that because there was a time of uh, great strides in technology. Um, the Islamic Empire, like I said, was miles ahead of uh, the European competitors with Christianity. Um, so we'll talk about the, the one of the primary empires, um, the Abbasid Empire. So um, after, after Muhammad died, right, the quote-unquote prophet, there was like a power vacuum and a power struggle um, in the Islamic Empire um, until the Abbasids came to power in 750. Now, the Abbasids spent their first decade of their rule putting structure around the empire, right? So um, in the beginning, right, of the Golden Age or primary was um, chaos, right? No order, no structure. So they come in, they put some structure around society um, and give people some direction. So they initially create Baghdad as a city to house some of their soldiers, right? Um, and they chose it because it had mild climate, right? It wasn't too hot or too cold. And it was close to important trade routes. Okay, so, the, you know, trade routes are very important back in the day. The main sources of income, um, bartering, all those things. That's how goods got across um, continents and things like that. So in terms of the previous rulers or the caliphs um, of the Islamic Empire, um, they didn't invest so heavily in science, but the Abbasids really did, right? That was one of their initiatives. So they spent, you know, much time consolidating Islamic rule as opposed to uh, conquering others, right? Military campaigns. They were like, okay, I think our empire is big enough. Let's go ahead and invest in our people, right? And that's a good theme. You know, I think that's a good theme of the Islamic empire um, and Islamic campaigns in general. Uh, I wasn't there for any of it, so I'm not going to, you know, lean on them for anything. But um, it seems like they invested um, in longevity or continuity of their empires by investing in themselves, right? Taking profits, reinvesting it in their own people, right? As opposed to just trying to take over everyone. So, you know, that's, those are some observations I'm seeing as I'm going through, like, the crime book, history book, and the next one we'll do is the religions book. But, you know, 
interesting food for thought. So on that note, right, the Abbasids would, um, they would sponsor scholars, right? Um, so they would send out scholars um, to learn new methods and learn new things. Um, and they didn't just rely on the teachings of uh, the Quran or, or the Hadiths. So for those of you that don't know what Hadiths are, Hadiths are supposedly the sayings of, uh, of Muhammad, the prophet, right? So that's what they call them. Um, the Abbasids set up a, a medical center in, in Iran, and it was mainly staffed by Christians. And uh, it was staffed by Christians who had been persecuted during the Byzantine Empire, right? So like another, another instance of welcoming other cultures within, right? Best practices. By no means did they assume that they knew everything and they were the, the all-knowing power. Um, they also set up a paper mill in Baghdad as well to support the creation of books. Um, and since a lot of the texts that they would get were um, ancient Greek, other languages, right? It, it didn't really serve any use uh, to, to Arabic speakers whatsoever. So uh, one of the Islamic rulers set up a quote-unquote house of wisdom. I mean, that's what it's called, so no need for the quotes, I guess. Um, uh, and this house of wisdom was dedicated to to transcribing key scientific works, books, um, notations into Arabic, right? So once again, investing in the education um, of their members and things like that. Uh, so they, they had a dedicated team that would translate items from Greek philosophers into Arabic. So within 150 years, about you know, 100% of all the ancient Greek texts were translating into Arabic, right? So, man, talk about, like, making haste um, on these things, you know? I'm sure that was a tedious process. It took 150 years. And even, like, no one survives for 150 years, right? So they even let that that theme of education carry over into future generations, right? So some really, like, you know, like I said, I wasn't there, but some really good notions of uh, education um, and taking charge of society, uh through education, right? So we talk about mathematics and astronomy. So back uh, back in the day, the book outlines that you know the Hindu scholars were very um, well versed in mathematics and astronomy, um, and the Islamic people identified that um, that that practice is essential to them because they have to pray five times a day, right? So they need to know the times at which they should be praying. So they invest in that learning as well. They would invite Hindu scholars uh, to assist with those calculations, those techniques, teaching them those things. And the Hindu scholars brought over trigonometry and, and a decimal notation too. So, you know, they're just like, they're a melting pot for, for all different types of knowledge right now, um, Greek, Hindu, Asian, right? Just all over the place, but they're they're not curbing um, people coming into their empire and niching out a spot for themselves, right? Like I'm, I'm not saying they're like really nice people, but this theme I think um, is very beneficial. Um, and, and going forward, right? They 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 didn't even um, just have all of these things transcribed into Arabic. They they would go farther and they wouldn't take that knowledge without questioning it, right? So they encourage questioning these types of practices, right? And I think that is outstanding. So like, in my opinion, right, in general, in life, like, 
you should always reevaluate, right? Reevaluate your values, um, reevaluate what you believe in, um, reevaluate the things that you're doing um, in your life, your diet, your exercise. Constantly reevaluate um, and try to ensure you're you're getting the most bang for your buck, right? And I think even in in the things that we ingest knowledge-wise, right? We should always question the data that we receive or where it came from and not just accept it at surface level, right? You ever read an article um, or watch a documentary and afterwards you're like, you know, that was kind of skewed in, in a different way than I thought it was going to go. It didn't seem objective to me, right? Like like sometimes when you watch a, uh, a crime documentary and you, you see a detective put two clues together and he kind of just acted on a hunch or they just kind of just connected it without any logical reasoning and you're like hmm right i don't know if that person was rightfully convicted so you know all the way back with the islamic empire here they're questioning um teachings right and they're not taking it um as truth without diving deeper into it so a little tangent there but anyway um the 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 islamic empire also had control of spain for some time right and this is mainly how um, Islamic knowledge was transmitted to the rest of Europe, right? Because Spain is a huge country. So I'm sure it got there and slowly dispersed, right? And it, it seems to have dispersed in a positive way, right? Um, it sparked a tradition of learning throughout all of Europe. Um, and some scholars will even say um, that the questioning of principles at the time led to the renaissance right so we know the renaissance was a time of um of renewal um discovery and things like that so i'm not saying that this was the only notion that sparked the renaissance but hey like questioning standard knowledge trying out new things um investing in art and education these are all things that seem to have come uh from questioning right not taking what it is for granted so um yeah very interesting the way they connect things like this so you know that's the that's the founding of baghdad and i think it was some good knowledge that was shared in the book and they go into it um with even more detail than i just went through so it's definitely worth a read so we'll hop off that right um the city of baghdad being founded in 762 and we'll jump to our next story um, which is the the fall of Jerusalem, and essentially what I'm talking about is the Crusades, right? In 1099. So, like I said, this is really interesting for me because um, the Crusades seems to be a time of just, um, uh, you know, mayhem, chaos, right? People were killing in the name of the Lord from three or four different angles. Um, you know, all of these Abrahamic faiths were were pitted against each other. There's also um, uh, newfound, newfound methods in uh, medicine, right? Think about a medieval doctor and what they knew about the body, right? They would try out all these um, really interesting methods of, uh, of healing people, right? And a lot of the doctors acted um, in the name of the Lord, right? Um, a, lot of, a lot of people were killed in the name of the Lord. People went on these wars killing thousands and thousands because, um, quote-unquote, their Lord told them to, right? Take over the holy city. So, you know, people were putting their lives on the lines for things. And to me, it's so interesting how uh, people can really um, be violent and kill uh, and cause chaos um, because of religion, right? And to me, 
all religions. So I've read about Jerusalem. Uh, sorry, I've read about um, Judaism, uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Christianity. Right. All of these religions pretty much say to be peaceful. Right. And at baseline, some of them say you know you you can be violent um, to protect your religion, but you know, that's, that's somewhat of a downfall um, when you give people that caveat, right? Because it becomes gray. Do I need to fight for my religion now? Am I fighting for my religion? Or am I, do I need an excuse to be violent, right? So, you know, I'm going like kind of all over the place, but, you know, the, the time period of the Crusades um, was very interesting to me, right? A lot of ignorance, but a lot of people trying new things and hoping to gain knowledge as well. So, um, coming back to the fall of Jerusalem in 1099, okay? So the book will outline on July 15th, 1099, about 15,000 Christian knights bust into Jerusalem um, after a month-long siege, okay? So the Crusaders, they killed uh, Muslim and Jewish warriors. And this marked the beginning of like a 200-year-long battle for the Holy Land. Okay, so just constant fighting for 200 years. Um, and you see this being carried over through other generations, right? Um, they can even carry over the need to control an area to another generation, right? So um, just a little background knowledge. So Jerusalem had fallen to the Muslims, right, to the Islamic Empire in 639. And this was a time where the Christian kings didn't really have the power or resources to retake Jerusalem, um, even though it's sacred to not only Christians, but Jews and Muslims as well. So a group of Turks comes in known as the, the Seljuks, right? The Seljuk Turks. And what they would do is they would, they would uh, disrupt these pilgrimage routes. Um, and they also defeated the Byzantines, right? So all the, the, the roads leading to Jerusalem, they would be on them. They would be causing some trouble on them. Um, so then, ultimately, the Byzantines, they, they sought help from the Pope, okay? So at the time, the, pope, uh, the Pope's name was Urban. So they call him Pope Urban. So, you know, the, the papal power was kind of in question at the time. And now, he has an opportunity to act on a cause that would kind of legitimize the, the prestige of the Pope in the church, right? So in 1095, he goes uh, forward and has like a huge spiel um, and talks about the atrocities that the, the Christians faced uh, in their Holy Land, being driven from their Holy Land. And he riled up um, a bunch of troops and called for a military campaign to free the Holy City, right? So now they're embarking. They're ready to engage in battle. So... A lot of Christian warriors jump at this opportunity, right, to to gain salvation um, and plunder by joining this quote unquote just war, right? So they can do anything now because they're fighting um, in the name of the Lord, right? So I was watching this movie called Ironclad, right, with my buddy a few many years ago, and it's all about a Templar knight who kind of realizes that his order is is full of shit, right? Like they're just killing and pillaging in the name um, of God. And they're hurting innocent people, right? That have nothing to do with this. Um, so that obviously it's a movie, not 100% factual. We'll come back to the book here. So about 100,000 French and Norman knights, they, they make their way to Jerusalem now, right? The Pope gives them the, the right, um, the go-ahead, go-ahead and start it up. So 
um, they have a really tough journey getting to Jerusalem, right? And they fight a lot of small battles with the Seljuk Turks along the way. Um, they had a battle at Antioch, um, but Godfrey of Bouillon um, helped them win this battle, and they recaptured Jerusalem, okay? So once they take over Jerusalem, right, the Christians have it again. They, they establish four states, um, Edessa, Antioch, Tripoli, and the Kingdom of Jerusalem. So what they do is, to, to protect against counterattacks, they build a lot of fortresses along the routes to the Holy Land. Okay, so to, to make sure that they keep possession of it, um, they, they, they created this order called like the Templar Knights or the, the Hospitaller Knights, right? So they're, they're, they're an order of knights that are sworn to defend the Holy Land. So at, at a moment's notice, that is their main duty to defend the Holy Land, right? So to ensure continuity of Christianity um, in Jerusalem. So, but, you know, the, the Islamic Empire doesn't go down easy, right? They, they recapture Edessa in 1144, and then another crusade begins. They call it the Second Crusade. Um, there's a third crusade when Jerusalem was lost again in 1187. And, you know, th as, as the war um, progresses, right, Second Crusade, Third Crusade, Fourth, right? It starts to get more attention. So a lot of the monarchs, um, Louis Louis the the Eighth uh, of France and King Richard of England, right? They get involved too. And so by 1270, right, 200 years later, there's at least eight more crusades, and the Islamic Empire is is strengthening as the crusades go on. And they took the city for one last time in 1244. So um, the final, final crusade was, was at the city of Acre. Now, this is a city that is in Assassin's Creed for sure, right? Along with Jerusalem, right? So you're kind of making your way over these cities. Um, and, you know, you feel like you're there almost, right? Uh, so, you know, hearing about these cities in a video game and then reading about the actual history behind it is interesting to me, right? So... Um, the Last Crusade is in the city of Acre, taken by the Mal Ma Mamluks um, in 1291. Now, I don't know anything else about the Mamluks. The book doesn't really go into it. Um, but essentially, the emperor had called for help from the pope, right? I'm going to go back to the beginning here, where um, the emperor uh, calls for help from the pope, and the pope legitimizes this war, right? So... Um, he, he sends these knights uh, over to Jerusalem, and they es establish Palestine in Syria, right, M modern day. So, you know, that's just a fun fact to kind of tie up uh, the whole story. But essentially, you know, we got three different faiths here going to war, um, and they're all branches of the same faith. Um, and they all somewhat believe in the same things. So you would hope, right, um, and I, like I said, I wasn't there, you would hope that they would all like sit down at a table and be like hey like what are we fighting about right like we all kind of are branches of the same faith let's come to a compromise man like let's not like kill each other no one needs to die over this but like i said emotional intelligence back in the day probably not the biggest thing right everything was military might military control um how big is the empire things like that so um yeah just some very very interesting food for thought there um so yeah we'll hop off um, the Crusades, and we'll come to our last story for the day. And I think it's kind of relevant, right, with COVID going on right now. So we'll talk about the Black Death, right, the bubonic plague, 
1347. So um, painting the picture here, um, in November of 1347, uh, a boat enters the port of Genoa in Italy. Okay, so this boat is is fleeing from a, a siege in Crimea, and it had one major, major deadly item on, on its ship, and that was the bubonic plague. Okay, so a couple of facts. Within a couple of years, the bubonic plague, or the Black Death, right, kills about a third of Europe's population and the Middle East. Okay, so the book says that it probably started in Central Asia, or, or, you know, even further, Western China, okay? So um, it probably started slowly in terms of its spreading, but once it hits those trade routes, right, it's going to spread like crazy. So once it hits trade, route, trade routes in Crimea and Constantinople, it starts rapidly spreading. Um, and it gets to Genoa, right, like we talked about, and makes its way through Sicily, and then through Spain, then through Portugal, and gets to England, so it on the other side of that, it, go, it gets to Germany and Scandinavia as well. So we talk about how this thing spread. So the main, the main transmitter was um, fleas that were infected as well um, as rats that had this disease. Now, you know, if you think about, so like, you know, I was watching Sweeney Todd the other day and um, not that, you know, this story's about Sweeney Todd, but essentially like you look at the conditions in England at that time period and there's rats all over the place the sewage system is not so great right so essentially um, there was like this fog over like Birmingham and London um, because of you know the the industry uh, the fact the factories manufacturing cars all those things like it was just a dirty place and they didn't have the emphasis on sanitation that they do today. So anyway, in a, in a dirty place, fleas and rats are going to thrive, right? So we talk about the symptoms of, of, the, of the Black Death. So there's going to be um, swellings um, in the neck growing or armpits, right? Which is, you know, super gross. You know, I, like I don't know what uh, a swollen growing looks like, to be honest, but I can't imagine it looks good. Um, there would be black blotches on the skin. And then, you know, lastly, death, right? So, um, you know, going forward, so as, as, the, as people keep dying, right, as, as the situation gets worse, um, people are going to become more and more desperate and look for explanations as to why this is happening, right? So a lot of people speculate um, that the Black Death was a result of divine punishment, right? Um, uh, some adverse order of the cosmos, right? So you're saying here people are getting desperate So they're gonna turn to some kind of spiritual reasoning as to why this is happening So at the time there was no cure, right? The main thing was to just avoid contact with people Similar to present day with COVID, right? Just stay away from each other. There's no cure yet. So it was said that um, around the time of the the Black Death or the bubonic plague there's um, about 450 million people in the world total. And after the bubonic plague, there was 350 million. So 100 million people die from this, um, which is a crazy number, right? One fourth of the world's population. So um, there are some really bad reactions to the plague, right? So coming, coming out of it, some really terrible reactions. 
a lot of people thought uh, Jewish people or Jewish communities were the cause of this, which is super bogus, right? Like, you can't you can't blame a society like this uh, for for uh, an entire plague, right? There's no other reason as to why Jews should be blamed for this, other than that, like people just hate them. I honestly don't know why Jews have been persecuted super hard throughout time. Um, you know, it might be because like you know they in in the in the Torah or you know in in their religion they're they're the chosen people right the Isra the Israelites um and everyone else is like not um available for salvation i'm not sure right i'm not sure but um that's just my speculation but i'm not sure why people are shitting on the jews all all their lives right or throughout uh eternity so you know just some thoughts there like they're just like they're upset that people are dying like i get it but you can't like niche out a, a population and say hey this is your fault that doesn't help with a solution or anything like that. So anyway, um, we talk about the effects of this plague on society. So the population obviously decreases. So land and rental properties become vacant, right? Labor becomes scarce. So now the working class can charge about five times more for their wages than they normally had asked. The government, they try to clamp down on that, right? But people revolted, revolution. During times like these, you do not want to be poking with the people, right? Because they are much larger uh, than the government. And although the government has more power, people can really sway things, right? Um, talk about the church. So a lot of clergymen deserted their posts, right? They headed elsewhere. And the authority of the church kind of dwindled during that time as well. You're coming off that, crime crime went up. Um People thought that God abandoned them, so uh, morality and values dipped as well. Um, the murder rate in England goes up. It doubles in two decades. Um, and the art during that time showed a lot of, like, you know, the, the Grim Reaper type stuff looming in the back, um, like dark colors, a lot of uh, sadness within uh, any type of art depiction. So, like, like we talk about with all these books, right, um, we look at the facts, right, and what, what went on, but the events really have a downstream effect on, you know, the people, economics, infrastructure, and all those things, you know? So just some really good uh, food for thought, uh, some deeper thoughts just to think about uh, here in the morning. But, you know, that's all I got for you guys today. You know, I hope you guys are enjoying um, these book reviews, these podcasts. Feel free to leave me any comments, and remember, only positivity. Thanks, guys.